Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 266. You are going to be most successful when you are surrounded with people that are smarter than you, that are better than you, that are willing to share you know, what, what they have and what they know with you. And in the end, you know, you end up being a a better employee, um, to them, but you also end up just fortifying yourself with all of this information and all of this experience. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by World Barista Champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. All right, let's do this. I can't wait. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jillian Rocco. Jillian, are you feeling unstoppable today? Unbelievably unstoppable. Yes, ma'am. And I'm so jealous of your last name. Uh, I, I shared, I was almost Rocco Cacciatore. Uh, I feel like I would have been a rock star by now if I had a name like Rocco Cacciatore. But man, you rocked that last name for sure. Thank you. <laughs> Massachusetts native and Boston University graduate, Jillian Rocco got her start in the restaurant biz as a hostess for Eastern Standard. In only five years, Rocco earned the title of a wine director. She has continued to grow and today serves Row 34 in Island Creek Oyster Bar. Oyster Bar as Director of Operations. She credits her success to the mentorship she has gained through Garrett Harker's Restaurant Group and the stress they put on educating and developing their staff. This is obviously just a huge aerial view of who you are, your story. I can't wait to learn more, Jillian. But before we do, let's get that inspirational, motivational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got? Uh, so I don't have a success quote for you, but my uh, personal mantra that I have borrowed from sports psychology is get the ball down the field. Get the ball down the field. And I mean, it sounds pretty direct, pretty straightforward, but really dive into that quote and what it means to you. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, as a restaurant manager or business owner, you're you're on the offense and it's your job to score and to play to win. Um, and it just requires a certain amount of flexibility and responsiveness um, that, again, I borrow from sports psychology. Um, you know, if your running game's not working, it's time to pass. You need to change your strategy. Um, sometimes you have to change players out. But at the end of the day, you have to do what it takes to make a uh, service successful, a restaurant successful, a person successful. Um, and that's, you know, that's our job. Awesome. And I hope that we do find out from you today uh, what it takes to be successful. And uh, just a quick shout out to uh, Garrett Harker's restaurant group, the folks. I mean, I feel like I'm just going through the the lineup here. I mean, <laughs> Garrett Harker was the first I had on the show. He suggested I connect with uh, 
Shore Gregory, and then I had Molly Hopper, Sandroff, now you. And yeah. uh, I'm so impressed by your restaurant group and how generous you. you all are to uh, just share your knowledge and to not make it about your restaurant, but about this industry. And I, I think I feel like you're just you're all so generous with your knowledge, and I think we can all learn from that generosity you guys have over there in that. Thank restaurant you. Group. So thanks. No problem. Um, let's learn more about you. So uh, from Boston or. or, or around Boston, uh, went to BU, studied in psychology, sports psychology. Was that what it was? Um, no, I actually was um, studying oh, literature it, and history. Right, I was right. on my way to being a high school English teacher. Okay. I don't know where I got <laughs> psychology from. I think that was my guess I had earlier today, Mike uh, Canino. Anyway, uh, so you were uh, you got a job, Eastern Standard, hosting. Was this uh, – How? I mean, take us through the, the evolution of your career and like how you got to where you are. Sure. Yeah. So I had had a little bit of experience um, before I started at Eastern Standard. You know, my first job was as a barista in my you know local coffee shop at home, um, and I had waited tables at a couple of other places. But I, um, when I was a senior at BU, I ran into my friend Ryan Mulholland outside of Eastern Standard, and he had just gotten a job there as a manager, um, and he suggested that I apply the next day, which I did, um, and I got hired there as a hostess and ended up, you know, kind of working my way up. I was there for about four and a half years. Um, and I, you know, went from hosting to room service. I would get really bored in room service. So I would come down and, you know, help the food runners out and then, um, eventually started waiting tables there. And that's when I started to get really interested in wine. Um, and I was studying a lot and tasting a lot. Um, and, I saw a little bit of an opportunity there because, you know, we had our wine director, um, this fabulous woman, uh, Colleen Hine Holden, um, and she needed a lot of help. You know, I saw that the wine orders would come in every day. There'd be like 100 cases of wine and no one to put them away. So kind of just started doing all the jobs related to wine that nobody wanted to do, putting mm. away cases of wine, you know, um, writing wine by the glass manuals and, and all that fun stuff. Um, and I, I kind of realized that I, I really wanted to learn more. And at that time, I was feeling pretty conflicted uh, because I had always thought I was going to be a teacher and I was taking my GREs and applying to grad school. I was taking some courses at UMass Boston at that time in literature. And uh, I took off for five weeks. I took a leave of absence from work and I uh, traveled around France where, uh, yeah, it it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I hit all the major wine growing regions and, and, you know, did some vineyard work and tasted and all that fun stuff. And when I came back, I realized that I was, you know, really committed to learning more about wine and, and restaurants in general. Um, so I actually, I applied to a couple of grad schools and I, I never even opened my, what were hopefully acceptance letters. <laughs> um, but at that point I had kind of committed to the industry. So, um, I continued to work there. I, you know, was helping out with the wine program and, and managing. Um, and then a friend of mine approached me about opening a restaurant outside of, of that restaurant group. Um, and I knew that I, I wanted to you know, write my own wine list and I knew I wanted to be a general manager, but um, those opportunities weren't happening with um, Garrett's restaurant. At that time, there was just Eastern Standard. Mm-hmm. Um, the GM was in place. The wine director was in place. So I, I actually left the group. Um, can, can we put a timestamp to this? So you got it. Sure. Uh, you got hired on as a hostess. Uh, mm-hmm. And how many years elapsed to this point? So um, I started there in 2006 and I left in 2011. So it was about okay. four and a half years. Awesome. 
Um, and then I opened a restaurant called the Salty Pig, which is in the Back Bay area of Boston. Um, and I was the general manager and beverage director there, uh, which was a huge leap, you know, from being a part of a big team at a big restaurant with lots of infrastructure and lots of people around me to coach me through, you know, issues. And, and I was <laughs> running this restaurant all by myself. Um, but I, I made a lot of mistakes and, which I can't um, wait to find out about <laughs> later on. We'll get there. Oh, Yo, you'll get there. Um, but ultimately it was, you know, an amazing experience and, um, it, you know, a very successful restaurant still to this day. And so I was there for uh, just shy of two years uh, when Garrett and I, you know, met up to have coffee and he started talking to me about a restaurant he was opening down in the Fort Point neighborhood of Boston uh, called Row 34. Yep. And um, I ended up moving over there as um, as the general manager and wine director. Um, so I, in the end, I, I really got what I wanted. You know, I, I got to be a general manager and wine director, and I got to do it um, with Garrett, which was, you know, incredibly uh, fortuitous. But it was, uh, it was a really great experience. Um, I was, you know, still involved at Row 34. I was um, there for just shy of three years um, and then most recently moved into the director of operations position for Row 34 and Island Creek Oyster Bar. Um, we're about to open our, our fourth restaurant um, in just a few weeks. So um, it's been been quite a journey. <laughs> awesome. That's great. And there's some nuggets from this story that I want to pull out. Uh, things that really just stood out to me, things that I think we can all emulate in our own careers. If we're, you know, in college, if we're working to hopefully, you know, someday own our own place, I think, you know, obviously going to work for an amazing restaurant group and an incredible mentor like Garrett Harker, Harker surrounding yourself with just that greatness is such a, a fast track to, you know, just climbing the, the ladder of success in this industry. But you took initiative. I feel like, you know, just hearing you talk here, Hearing about how like you you got you got your foot in the door, then you just wanted to learn more. You started doing things. You started taking on responsibilities that didn't sound like they were given to you. You just you just tackled these things. And when people see you taking the initiative, and you just you have that drive to, to learn to push yourself, and not having to be pushed, but just you know being proactive in your career. Like I think that is where magic starts to happen. And you clearly started doing that. The other thing that really stood out to me too is you had a, a clear goal of what you wanted to become. You you wanted you left. Uh, row or sorry, uh, Eastern Standard, because you wanted to have the freedom of building your own wine list and having that creativity and uh, managing your own your own restaurant, and you had that goal, um, and you you made changes in your life and you took risks in your life to get there and you kept on showing up and uh, you know, you got that experience and uh, Garrett saw that and he brought you back to uh, leverage all that you learned. I mean, am I straying off course? Is there anything you want to add to this? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'll have people from either from my team or from outside of my team in Boston. And they ask me, you know, how did you become successful? Or, you know, what did you do? What did you take? You know, what steps did you take? And the thing that I always tell people is, you know, you have to find your own opportunities mm -hmm. or make your own opportunities. And sometimes that's creating a job description for yourself. You know, there was no wine steward, there was no assistant wine director at Eastern Standard at that time. But I, I wanted that. And so I found a way to make it mine. And, you know, I think that that is, is really important for young people to understand. And the other thing that I think is really important for people to understand is that, you know, you are going to be most successful when you are surrounded with people that are smarter than you, mm. that are better than you, that yes. are willing to share 
you know, what, what they have and what they know with you. And in the end, you know, you end up being a, a better employee, um, to them, but you also end up just fortifying yourself with all of this information and all of this experience. I love it. You're on a tear, sister. This is <laughs> great stuff. Uh, something, I mean, have you read uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? I have not. And oh, well, I, I, I'm such a bookworm, too. I think to- you'd love that book. And it's like listening to you talk, it sounds like you're pulling uh, the lessons from that book straight from the, the pages and, and specifically uh, what you said about. Uh, you know, well, first, like, you know, having those goals and painting a picture of what you want your future to look like. So, you know, everything that you do in your life will end up uh, being in uh, effort to get to that goal. And you'll subconsciously start making decisions to get you closer and closer to those goals. But you got to you got to paint that picture of what you want your future to look like. And you did that instinctually. And then the other thing um, is, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend your time around. And he says that he's like, if you want to uh, grow as a person, you've got to surround yourself with people who are better than you, who are, are going to bring you up, who are going to influence you to do the things in your life, uh, that you need to do to get to where those goals are. Uh, so awesome stuff. Uh, man, I'm, I'm loving this. You're, uh, a beacon of light right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think here. Um, I really want to find out, uh, cause it, it's, it sounds like it was pretty clear that early on in your career, it was just a for now job. You had plans to go to grad school. Is there a moment in time where uh, you just kind of uh, like a, a, a switch was hit, like a light was turned on where you said, this is my career. This is what I love to do. Uh, can you take us through that moment? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned earlier, I had taken that trip to France and um you know, I was by myself for, for five weeks, which is an incredibly long time to spend uh, by yourself. But it was it was really important for me at that time to be as introspective as possible and to really try to understand what it, what it was I was trying to um, accomplish with my life at that time and, you know, what my career goals were. Um, and I uh, was driving around um, the Champagne region of France and I was horribly lost and just having a really, really awful day. And, um, I finally got to, um, the hostel that I was staying in and I, you know, got settled in, went out and, um, had my next appointment and I, you know, I had some wine, I tasted some wine and I, I walked out of that experience and I felt so much better. Mm. And I just felt like that was the reason that I was there. And I, I felt, um, kind of vindicated or validated in that way. And I I think from that point forward, I just knew that I was looking for some kind of truth that I was finding, um, in, in product at that time. Um, and it was, you know, an incredibly transformative experience. It sounds like you found a sense of purpose, uh, something that lit you up on the inside, uh, something that gave more meaning to the work you were doing. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. And, um, man, I, it's so tough sometimes when we're on a roll, like I want to keep that roll going. And then, and can you just tell me like why, uh, why this industry, uh, it sounds like you have your purpose that you fell in love with the wine. Maybe it was educating people about wine, sharing that passion with other people, but why, why do you do what you do? What, what is the, the, the fuel that, you know, drives your engine? Like what makes you show up every day to this extremely challenging career? Like what does it for you? So yeah, I would say that my my focus has definitely shifted over time. Um, you know, we're, we're I'm ten years into my 
my career at this point, you know, with Eastern Standard and, and Salty Pig Row 34 and now um, Island Creek and Row. And, you know, in the beginning, it was definitely product and, and, and service focused. Um, but now, you know, the further I get on in my career, the more it becomes about people mm. um, and, you know, growing and developing, you yes. know, managers, um, general managers. And it. yeah, it's been... Um, it's been a really interesting shift and the thing that really motivates me now as opposed to, you know, even three or four years ago um, is, is just watching or helping other people develop, but watching them grow and watching them, you know, dream and, and have, you know, really great ideas and bringing those ideas to life um, is, is the thing that gives me the most pleasure. Why? Uh, Dive deep into that. Why? What, what does it, what does it for you? What is it about that? That's so rewarding. Um, well, I think partly it's, it's, you know, you develop relationships with these people, you know, they become not only your employees, but also your, your friends, sometimes your confidants, Mm. um, sometimes they feel like family and, you know, having them or watching them, um, really dig in with their people or with their Mm. product or, you know, land an interview that they're really excited about, you know, those things make me happy. I think it's probably a little bit selfish because I know that I'm, I'm doing my job as the, as the mother hen, but, um, you know, I, I love, I love watching people like, you know, Maggie Carmony, who's now the general manager at, at row 34. She, you know, she was, she worked with me at Eastern standard. She's the last person that I staged and trained there before I left. And, you know, she came over to row when we opened and, and she, you know, she was a bartender when we opened and she came onto the management team and and now she's the GM. And I, again, probably slightly selfishly, um, I take a lot of pride in that. And I, I feel like, you know, as a general manager, one of your biggest jobs is to develop your, your number two. Absolutely. And, um, and hopefully someday, you know, they can have their dreams and goals realized. And, and she did that. And that's incredibly satisfying. No, absolutely. And that's where the magic is. That's what makes this job so rewarding. If you're, if you're getting into it to, to get rich or to make money or to, to sell, 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 like you're going to flop. It's when you get into this industry for the right reasons to develop people, to make a a difference in the world or to impact people in purposes and missions. uh, That's when magic starts to happen. That's when you start getting rewarded for your uh, generous or gen, Genuinity? Genuinity? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, genuineness. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling right now. But I mean, I hear it with you and it's, it's great stuff. And it's a, a beautiful example of what happens when you get into the industry for the right reasons. Um, I, I want to learn about, uh, you know, Garrett Harker's restaurant group. I keep on saying his name. I, I don't know. Do you guys have an, I don't think you have an overarching restaurant group name. Is this Garrett Harker's restaurant group, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, we call it a collection of restaurants as opposed to a restaurant group. Um, just due to the fact that there are a couple of different, uh, partnership structures, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to call it Garrett Harker's restaurant group. Um, he is, you know, the kind of the partner that, um, is invested in or, you know, works with all the restaurants. Um, but there are so many incredible people that are involved with, um, with all of the restaurants, you know, Shore Gregory, who I know you've talked to, um, Andrew Holden, Jackson Cannon, just and Jeremy Sewell, like some really, really great, great people. So let me ask you, what's going on in this family of restaurants, this restaurant group that uh, is so special? I mean, it started with Garrett Harker. What did he do uh, and what has he how has he evolved the restaurant group? But what are you doing today 
uh, if you could just narrow it down to a few things that you think is really at the core of the success. That is a great question um, with a probably incredibly complicated answer. <laughs> um, but, you know, Garrett and and all of his people that he's kind of trained over the years and, and influenced over the years, um, they have a couple of common goals, which I think um, really help uh, the restaurants develop. And, you know, obviously being very guest focused, making sure that our guests are, you know, having great experiences and that they're wanting to come back and, and that we're developing relationships with them, um, I think is, is really special. But the thing that I think we do really well, and I, I watch other people do it really well also, um, is just investing in our people. Like I had mentioned before, you know, developing managers, you know, developing someone from a busser to a bartender or a bar back to a manager, you know, helping people reach their, you know, professional goals is something that um, we we take really seriously. I, I specifically take very seriously. Um, and, you know, we also have watched some great people come up through our restaurants and then go off to do incredible things, you know, whether it's in the Boston area or, you know, across the United States. And they kind of take our ideologies or our mantras and, and help sow the seeds to kind of raise and elevate the entire industry, which, again, is, is important. Another one of my mantras is the higher the water, the higher the boat, mm. which, you know, I just I feel like the better everyone's doing, the better situated we are. I um, love it. it sounds so much like all ships rise with the tide, which is yeah. an amazing quote from uh, Saving <laughs> Table, Der- uh, Denny Myers group over there. Um, so I just want to rewind a little bit. I mean, you've, you've given us some amazing things to, to discuss already. Uh, I want to go back to you said you, your team has common goals. And I think I heard you say to create great experiences. What are the common goals that you guys have that is, is crystal, crystal clear for the group? Yeah, I mean, again, so making sure that from the moment a guest either calls the restaurant or walks into the restaurant that they are greeted with, you know, genuine hospitality, you know, people that are actually excited to see them, um, people that want to display warmth and, you know, the guests, the guests can really pick up on that and they can tell if it's a well-organized operation and they can tell if, you know, people are happy to be there. Um, and, you know, bringing them to the table, making sure that the menus look great, that the room looks great, that the lighting is right, that the music is right, that the vibe is, is sound at the restaurants um, and then that the food that they are, you know, consuming is of the highest possible quality, which, you know, the oyster bars are partly owned by Island Creek Oyster Farms. So we have this incredible opportunity to just have the best shellfish that we can possibly have. Um, And, you know, our chefs work so hard, you know, they're down at the fish pier in Boston picking out, you know, which halibut is coming to the restaurant, you know, which tuna is coming to the restaurant. And that's that's really special. And it's something that um, that we all have worked really hard. Again, it's a common goal to make sure that we have the highest quality food that's, you know, harvested in the most sustainable way coming into the restaurants. And in all of that love and all of that energy and all of that work, um, you know, hopefully it shows and is demonstrated to our guests. And, you know, whether it's a perfectly executed cocktail or like the coolest beer that we could possibly find or, you know, an incredible wine of typicity, um, you know, 
hopefully our guests are, are having you know, the most wonderful products, the most wonderful experience with the most wonderful people, whether it's their guests or their server or the manager that's doting on them. Um, and then they're going to leave and they're going to tell their people and they're going to want to come back. And, mm. you know, we're hopefully have an opportunity to create regulars and develop relationships. You know, there's nothing more special to me than when a guest comes back again and again and again, and they're asking for a certain manager or asking for a certain bartender. You know, we, we know at that point that we've left um, some kind of indelible mark. Man, my hand is cramping up over here, trying to just um, pull up all these amazing things that are coming out of your mouth. And just a little <laughs> side note, uh, Jillian confided in me before we got started that she was nervous. And I don't know <laughs> where those nerves are, sister because you're crushing it you're speaking with so much confidence and you're just spreading great advice all over Thank us you. Right now. um so just some things i want to highlight from that 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 riff you just went on uh you know obviously you, you set those goals the great experiences the genuine uh just hospitality uh delivering happiness making sure people are happy uh brand alignment it seems like your branding is spot on uh, the brand imaging everything you do is about delivering that that image of happiness and uh the highest absolute standard uh, is what i'm getting from you and that all uh, equates to the amazing experience. Um, how do you communicate these goals? Where, where do you, how do you get everybody on board? I mean, how do you get everyone pulling in the same direction? Yeah, well, I think it starts with um, hiring the right people. So, you know, we've been lucky enough um, at our restaurants to, for the most part, um, develop our general managers from our existing kind of pool of people. Um, and, you know, the general managers in terms of the front of the house, you know, they're the ones that set the tone for their restaurants and they have a great network of people like Garrett, Shore, um, Molly, myself to, um, to work with. And so, you know, we, you know, have common goals that get communicated to the general managers. The general managers are really empowered to run their restaurants like they're their own and, um, they, you know, take what what they have learned over time with us and they are able to instill that in their teams, um, which then instill it into their teams. And it kind of is a, a top down approach. Mm-hmm. And how, um, how does that sense of ownership impact the overall outcome? Um, you know, it's really incredible how uh, each of the restaurants kind of take on their own personalities. Um, I, I distinctly remember when we were opening row 34, which at that time was the most casual restaurant in our group. Not not that any of them are particularly fine dining, but it was definitely, you know, in my head, I was thinking I was calling it the clam shack. You know, I was uh, dressing the servers in jeans and t-shirts. You know, I really wanted it to feel extremely approachable. And I had said to Garrett, like, hey, just so you know, we're never going to listen to jazz in this restaurant. <laughs> and he uh, he laughed at me at that time. But uh, what ended up happening is that we have this loud, bustling, like really energetic restaurant. And, you know, that sense of ownership that he let me decide what the tone of that restaurant was going to be. And he let me kind of build that from the ground up. You know, it yielded really great results yeah. in it has its own personality. You know, it's. Uh, I think it all goes back um, to what you said earlier with surrounding yourself with people who are uh, more successful or uh, further on in life or however you want to look at it. But I think if you, you flip it and you look at what Garrett Harker's done, I think he surrounded himself with people that he knows have amazing talent and amazing ability. He probably sees that ability. I think you're, pro- you're, you're definitely one of those people that he knows, hey – I don't have to worry about you making the right decision because you're in this you're in this role because I already know you can make the right decisions. And then 
letting them to do their thing, to delegate that responsibility to them and, and to not micromanage and to just know that if you surround yourself with the right people and you, you let them do what it is you hired them for and give them that freedom to express themselves so much great can happen from it. Any yeah, thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, he, I, I think the, the other great thing about, um, you know, our, our group is that, you know, we are allowed to make mistakes, mm. you know, we're allowed to, well, we're encouraged to, to dream and dream big and, and try to bring things to life. And it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, you know, we fall or we falter and, and then we get feedback and we all kind of game plan how we're going to come out the other side. And I think there have been some great things that have come from that. And I think that, you know, the, the failures are downplayed and, and we've been ultimately very successful. Yeah. You know, you've got to take risk. Like not every idea, not every concept, not every change you're going to make in your restaurant is going to be successful, but you'll never know unless you take the risk in the first place and try. And when they do flop, you just bounce back up. You learn the lesson, you, you approve it for the next time out, or you just drop that idea altogether. But if you don't, if you don't push, you know, pedal to the metal all the time, you don't try to take risks and try to evolve. You're just going to get stale. You, you need to stay fresh. You need to push the envelope. And that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. And then the other, I think the other important thing to take from that is when you do fail or when you do make a mistake, you know, knowing how, knowing how to fix it or, you know, knowing when it's time to raise your hand and say, I need help. So and how do you fix it? Well, I mean, I think it depends. There are just so many different ways to take risks and so many different things that you can, um, you know, work on and, and, well, you know, occasionally fail at. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, sometimes, it, it, so it's funny, I, I said to my team uh, about a year ago, I said, okay, we're going to be the best at guest recovery. Mm. So we Explain know we're going to... What do you mean by guest recovery? Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a thousand different ways to make a mistake. Yeah. Uh in a restaurant. And, you know, if there's a guest that's upset or unhappy with their experience, no matter, no matter what it is, um, to be, be able to win them back okay. basically yeah. is the idea behind guest recovery. So, um, so I said, we're going to be the best at it. And, you know, we know that we're going to make mistakes. We know that we're going to occasionally fail. And by, inspiring everyone to get ahead of it and to be generous with themselves and with their teams, you know, ultimately, hopefully we can, um, win, win any guests back. And so that was, <laughs> that's one way to, to kind of fix mistakes or fix failures. But, you know, sometimes you just have to say like, I really made a mistake and I, and I don't know how to fix this. And that's when you call in the big guns and, and hopefully they can help you work through it. Awesome. Um, you said something earlier that really stood out to me about how you love uh, helping other people reach their fullest potential and helping other people grow and how proud you are and how much that fills you, on, you, know, with, you know, with, in, with light on the inside. I didn't use those words. I'm putting words into your mouth, but that was, <laughs> that was the gist I was getting. Um, I love examples. I love stories. Can you give me an example? Tell me about a story. Tell me about a person um, that comes to mind that you met early on, that you helped mentor, that you helped develop and how, like bring us through that experience and what they're doing today because of your mentorship. Yeah, so uh, there's this woman, Shauna Hamilton, who uh, helped me open the Salty Big um, back in 2011, and um, she had already been working for the restaurant group, so she was actually bringing something to the table for me, which was that she understood how um, Mike and Jim worked, and you know, I, I didn't. I was just coming on um, brand new, 
And she came on as a bartender. Um, and I was the, the general manager at that time. And I, you know, she's a very, very capable person. She's very smart. Um, and she really likes the industry. So I, you know, identified her as someone that I wanted not only to be on my team, but to kind of be my ally. Um, and she ended up kind of being my protege in that, you know, she eventually became the assistant manager. She would run the restaurant when I wasn't there. Um, and now she is the general manager at one of their other restaurants. Um, and, and she's just an incredible person. Um, you know, teaching her how to teach people Mm. was a a really fulfilling experience for me. Um, I always, I tell my people, you know, you learn by teaching. So by teaching her how to teach, I learned how to be a better teacher. And, um, and, you know, she's just an incredibly successful person now. And and I'm grateful for, you know, all of my time with her. I mean, is there anything else more rewarding than that to, to know that your hard work has w- gone into, uh, the success of somebody else who is finding happiness in the work that they're doing and, and the, teaching them how to think that, you know, that that's going to ripple and that she's going to take those, those lessons that you gave her on, on how to develop other people. And it's just going to keep on going. Uh, it's going to make, it's so I'm getting woo woo right now. It's going to <laughs> get super cheesy up in here, but you're making the world a better place. Uh, when you can, no, it's, 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 it so might be true. a little bit much, but. It, but it's so true. Cause like you're a great person. And if, if we all had that mentality of trying to put the right thoughts and to develop human beings, good citizens, people who care about others, you're absolutely doing that. And it, it's, it's a warm feeling. There's nothing more rewarding than that. I can't think of anything more rewarding than that. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said before, it's totally, it's totally selfish. <laughs> well, it, it might, it might seem unselfish, but it's, it, it, it makes me very happy and it helps me, you know, continue to want to do my job and to do it better. Well, that's an awesome selfish habit to have. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, it's good to be selfish sometimes, I suppose. Uh, so now I'm really curious. I want to talk about, um, I mean, I, I feel like one thing that keeps coming up whenever I, I talk to anybody that's on your team is the emphasis you put on educating people and training people. So what does that look like in your family of restaurants? How do you go about, uh, you know, after you onboard people, after you get them in house, how do you give them the tools, the resources, the ability to do their job to the fullest? So at each of the different restaurants, um, you know, if you're coming on in a service role, um, there is a training team, which is a, a team of three or four individuals that we, you know, have, have selected and it's their job to, you know, help cultivate and, um, develop the the new service members that are coming on, and you know they put endless amount of time into resources, materials, binders, you know, just everything that a new employee could possibly need. Um, but in addition to that, uh, we have a you know some people call it lineup, some people call it briefing, pre meal mm-hmm. um, every single day, and it's one hour, it's one wow. full hour of people's time. Um, where we sit and, you know, we do the, the things that all restaurants do. We go through, you know, a wine vintage change and, you know, the menu changes for the day and all that jazz. Um, but we also spend, you know, anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes on like straight up education and or, you know, team building. Um, and each day a manager is assigned a briefing. So when you get your schedule for the week, you know, you're closing on Tuesday and you're also in charge of briefing. And you have to come to the table with something compelling to talk about. Um, 
in addition to that, there are a couple of times a year where I uh, kind of take that to the next level. So actually for the month of September, I uh, <laughs> kind of kitschily call it back to school and I, I pick a theme for each week. So um, at you know, different restaurants this week, we're going over different things. Um, for example, at Island Creek Oyster Bar in Kenmore Square, we're doing uh, cocktail and spirit history. And, um, you know, in Fort Point, we're going over the history of Fort Point. In, um, in Portsmouth, we're going over, um, you know, the history of sparkling wine. And, and in January, um, I get really crazy and I do January Education Month, which is um, every week a 90-minute seminar um, based on, you know, different things. And I invite everyone from the entire restaurant group to come and sit for 90 minutes and learn about, you know, this particular topic. And um, I haven't come up with my syllabus yet for this year, which I'm working on it now. Um, But the idea is to get people really excited and really engaged and to get them tasting and touching and talking and smelling and, um, and to have them feel like their education is layered and is well thought out. And, you know, hopefully they feel immersed in a culture of learning and they want to take that you know, home with them and study on their time off and, and read and ask for more resources and look up cool videos and, you know, bring that to, to the rest of the team. I love how it almost seems like you're removing the word training and, and replacing it with educating. I think like that's just that approach of, um, you know, it's not just here's what you need to know, but you're creating a culture of constantly improving, constantly learning, constantly growing. And you don't just stop at this is the basics you got it. Okay. You're on your own. That's all you need. Like you, you push people to exceed expectations and grow personally. And how does that reflect into service? How does that make the service? How does that make the end product better? You know, it's so funny. And I, I bet restaurant managers across the globe could agree with me here, but you know, if you taste a wine in briefing, you know that you are going to sell so much of that wine that night because people are excited about it. They have um, experience that they can draw on. They can communicate that to the guests. And if, and if our people are excited about something that, that does translate, you know, across the table to the people that are sitting there looking at the menu. And, uh, you know, I feel like that excitement can ripple out across the whole restaurant. Yeah, but not only like, are they excited about it? But now they know something special about that product or that that wine that where that uh, you know where that oyster came from. They have a story to deliver the you know to to as a vessel for that excitement to travel across. Uh, and the people they react like our guests react so well. Uh, to, to stories. Human beings act so well to stories because it, you are able to connect to something in a way that you wouldn't be able to connect to it when you're just told this is what it is. Uh, we as human beings are hardwired to absorb stories, to learn through stories. Uh, it, it's just the way we, his, his history, history is his story. <laughs> it's how we've evolved. It's, it's, it's how we have communicated for thousands of years before we had all this technology. So it, it taps into a very basic, most basic part of who we are as, as humans. Uh, it's powerful stuff. I love it. Um, all right. We got to get that mistake. Uh, we, we got to find out. You said you made some, uh, really bad mistakes, uh, in your <laughs> career. And I think we can learn amazing things from the successes of people, but we will really take away those valuable lessons from learning from other people's failures. So what do you got for us? Yeah. So, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes, um, as I'm sure we can all say, but, um, you know, and thinking about what 
you know, one of my biggest failures was I, I had a really hard time, um, when I opened Salty Pig, uh, kind of creating culture and I was finding some cultural issues that were kind of popping up. And when I reflected back on that at that time, you know, I realized that I wasn't particularly discerning in the hiring process when we opened. And I think that, um, that was due to inexperience, but, um, I think that I could have done a, a, a better job of um, putting together a team that, you know, was really excited about hospitality, that was really excited to be there, that, you know, really wanted to learn um, and kind of being indiscriminatory in that process um, led to issues down the road. But I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot from that. And, you, you know, some really awesome words, by the way, I'm trying to keep up with everything you're saying, uh, <laughs> uh, like really like simply just in, in. Uh, like dumb it down. Like exactly what did you do wrong? I think I'm picking up on it, but I just want to make sure I'm getting you crystal clear. Uh, yeah, I think that I, I hired some bad eggs okay. and, um, you know, one of my, one of my weaknesses I think as a manager is that I, I tend to give people too many chances. And I think that, you know, ultimately that can just, that can lead to issues. And, um, I think that, I I could I could have done a better job, you know, putting together that opening so team. With the the experience you have now, the knowledge you have now, you're going back in time. You're you know you're at the salty pig. You're opening this restaurant. What would you do today um, to do that job right of getting the right culture established, getting the right team on board? Yeah, um, like I said, I think that I I would have. I would have been um, a little bit more discerning in the in the hiring process, and I would have tried to find um, people that that really wanted to learn, that really wanted to learn from me, that um, were interested in food and beverage, you know, people that wanted that job instead of just a job. Um, and I, I think, you know, I did end up coming out the other side of it. It took a little while, but I think I would have had an easier time kind of getting that culture of learning off the ground um, earlier on, but you know, I was, I was young and, and like I said, pretty inexperienced. So, yeah. And I think it's worth bringing up too, that, um, in order to, to attract greatness onto yourself, in order to get the best of the best, you need to become something great first. So it's, it's coming from someplace like Eastern standard where you have such a reputation, you have such a powerhouse, such a respected person behind that restaurant. It, you almost get spoiled as to how great of a team you're surrounded with all these amazing people. And it's going to take time. If you open a restaurant, it's going to take time to attract that greatness to you. It's, you're not going to find the cream of the crop, um, at, without, you know, uh, proving yourself first, uh, with, this restaurant. So, I mean, I, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, uh, I feel like we need to be aware that things, greatness doesn't happen overnight. Greatness <laughs> comes from showing up every day and you're putting that effort in, in, uh, uh, creating that impact with the people that you touch and, you know, and it happens. But if you're, if you're going through this struggle, if you're listening to this, uh, just, just know that it happens with time and to be a little bit better, uh, every day and over time, hopefully it will come back to you. Do you want to, do you want to add anything to that? Um, no, I think you said it pretty well. Awesome. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back to uh, just bust out this speed round. When you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. 
With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. Um, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We are back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, Jillian? What's one habit, one trait, one characteristic, or a few characteristics that you believe most contribute to your success? Oh, wow. Um, I think um, dreaming is really important. You know, putting yourself in the position to live without any kind of um, stipulations and, and just letting yourself go and come up with great ideas is is really important. Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? Ooh, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I um, I have a habit of, of giving people too many chances when perhaps I shouldn't. Do you think that's ever served you as a strength? Um, I think that it has, yes, but it's also come back to bite me quite a few times. Um, but, you know, I also think that it's important to learn from those mistakes mm-hmm. and, and try to try to improve on them. Absolutely. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for being a leader? Oh, wow. Um, I think that giving people regular, honest feedback is is really important. Um, and like I said, doing it on a, on a regular basis is um, paramount to their success. And it also um, just helps them learn how to take feedback. Um, and, and doing it regularly helps them uh, learn to grow. And just real quick, what's your uh, definition of regular? Um, well, I think it depends on, you know, what the, the relationship is, but, you know, for example, now I try to sit down with each of, each of the GMs at least once a week and sometimes it's all great stuff and sometimes it's not, but, um, you know, I, I think as frequently as possible is good. And why, let's dive a little bit more into it. Cause I, I, I totally agree with you and I feel like there's more that can come from this conversation. Uh, what do people get out of feedback? Well, I think that, you know, people want to know how they're doing. Mm. And and uh, I think that people want to know when they're doing really well. Um, but letting people know when they're not doing that great or when they could improve, um, you know, it helps them address it sooner and, um, you know, hopefully be able to work on it and move on to the next thing instead of potentially, you know, dwelling on something or, or making the same mistake over and over. Um, and then ultimately, you know, that's going to help them them grow and and develop. Awesome. And when you're giving feedback, is there like a, uh, an approach you use? Is there a style you use to giving good feedback? Um, well, I think being honest and not, you know, sugarcoating things is, is something that I've learned over time to be pretty effective. Um, I also, I think that I've been doing a lot of research recently on, um, the idea of psychological safety and, and like being in an environment where people feel, um, safe to, to advocate for themselves or to make mistakes or, you know, um, let you know how they're feeling. 
And I think that if you can create that environment and you can have a relationship with someone that is is open and honest, that ultimately you're going to come up with better ideas. You're you know you're going to help people promote their own growth, and and I think that's you know really important to um, to teams team development. Absolutely, and I, and I think just you know not just be willing and regular with your feedback to others, but create a culture where people can give you feedback. And this is one thing um, I really admire about somebody who I'm working for right now. She's always asking us to give her feedback as a leader. What can I be doing better? What do you not like about how I'm leading you? That way you can continually improve yourself and know how you are communicating and how, what your actions are doing to others. Like just being open and knowing that there's a two way street of feedback is I think very crucial too. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, if you're spending all of your time growing and developing others, I think that's great. But ultimately, like you need to be growing and developing mm. yourself as well. Like you can't be stagnant. You yes. can't you can't be stuck in the same place. Which you know, I do a, a lot of research on various different um, <laughs> psychological ideas because I, I I feel like you know so much of management is psychology oh, yeah. and and you know you you have to be getting better. Otherwise, you know you're not going to be giving great feedback to your people. I love it. Uh- what is one question you ask or thing you look for or looked for when you were doing interviews? I probably, I would imagine you probably delegate that responsibility now, but what Oh you, no, I still interview. Oh, awesome. I love it. So what, what's one thing you're looking for? Or one question you ask? Yeah. Um, I like to ask people about, um, someone that they've helped mentor or develop and I'm not necessarily looking for, um, like a manager or a server, you know, I think it's great when someone says that they, you know, really, um, worked with this particular busser or, you know, they worked with this particular host. Um, I like to just hear about how they reflect on their team. And I like to hear about, um, how they've helped, you know, contribute to somebody else's success. Awesome. Um, what is a current challenge, uh, the restaurant group, the the family of restaurants you're working for is currently dealing with, and how are you dealing with it? So we're we're growing right now, and um, you know that comes along with a number of challenges. Um, I think that a lot of people in the Boston area would say that staffing is uh, particularly challenging. Um, you know, there's such an amazing landscape of great restaurants out there, some established, some opening, and so the talent pool. Um, remains the same size. And so I think, you know, staffing, finding really, really great people to work at our various different restaurants is definitely one of our challenges. Um, you know, we hold regular open interviews. We, um, you know, do a number of other things to try to get people in the door, but that that's definitely one of our biggest challenges right now. So aside from holding regular interviews, what else do you do to combat that challenge or to stand out in the marketplace? Yeah, so we have an employee referral program. Um, so, you know, if an employee refers a candidate that is hired, you know, they um, they are rewarded for that. Um, we, you know, <laughs> we really try to put ourselves out there on, you know, various different platforms. Um, you know, we're working with um, another group about a potential, you know, hospitality boot camp, um, potentially hosting a hospitality conference, you know, we're, we're trying to generate some ideas um, as to, yeah, as to, as to, you know, open up the playing field a little bit. Incredible. Um, What's one thing besides food, your restaurants do really well that separates you from other restaurants? 
what's one thing besides food our restaurants do really well to separate us to separate ourselves yes um I think that we have been very good at um, being the you know a part of the fabric of a neighborhood and um, adding value to that particular neighborhood and you know we have restaurants kind of all over the city now and in various different areas outside of Boston and um, making sure that we understand what the needs of the neighborhood are and you know who our neighbors are and helping that kind of inform the restaurant itself um, has been a really interesting experience, but um, you know, our neighborhoods are, are, are what power us. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we are, are contributing to them in a meaningful way. I love it. Um, what is one book that we all must read to make us a better restaurant owner or manager or leader in a restaurant? Um, yeah, I think so. A great book for business leaders to pick up would be um, Daniel Goleman's uh, Emotional Intelligence. I'm not joking you right now. While you're talking earlier about how you're doing research on sociology or psychology, I typed in social intelligence because I couldn't remember the name of the author because I was going to say, you got to read this book if you're doing that research. That's so funny. Uh, Why is that book awesome? Um, I think that it's – is very helpful in helping, you know, a, a leader or a manager understand like how to react to different situations and, and how to, you know, be a better coach and be a better peer. Um, and hopefully it will help, you know, power, power, um, your future successes. It is such an awesome book. It's on audio too. So if you do not use audible, uh, you can get that book for free today by going to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. And, uh, that book, uh, this, this industry is all about social intelligence. It's all about how you connect with people. It's all about, it's all about people. And that book really breaks down the framework of how people work, how they think, how they react, how, how you communicate, what your body is saying when your words are saying one thing. Like there's so much. I mean, what was the biggest lesson from that book? Um, well, I was actually talking about the book emotional intelligence, which is another, oh, okay. um, another book of his. Um, I, I just, I feel like learning how to navigate um, different situations in different landscapes has been really helpful for me. And it's definitely been probably one of my biggest areas of growth um, in the last few years. So I I would highly recommend it. Oh, man, I am um, checking that out right now. I'm getting it. (laughs) And I I, I have not read or listened to Emotional Intelligence, and I'm really excited for that. But uh, if it's any as good, if it's as good as social intelligence was, it's got to be incredible. You're going to love it. I can't wait. Uh, so what's one piece of technology that uh, your restaurants have been leveraging to uh, be more efficient, to be more impactful, to be more profitable uh, that you think is really just making an impact in your general operations? So I'm like the worst person to answer this question because I am not particularly technologically savvy. Um, but we just moved um, from OpenTable to uh, a new reservation and table management platform called Reserve mm-hmm. at um, at Row Thirty Four, and um, it has so far been a really great experience. Um, and I I hope you know it's been we're kind of still in beta, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's only been a few months, but um, overall, I've seen uh, quite a big improvement. So, what would, get specific? What improvements did you see, and what were the things that made you get away from Open Table and upgrade or transition to Reserve.com? Yeah. So, 
Uh, we still use OpenTable at the majority of our restaurants, and I think that um, for certain restaurants, you know, OpenTable makes the most sense for table management and reservations. Um, but, you know, the demographic at Row 34 is a little bit different, and um, people definitely tend to be more smartphone app um, oriented at that restaurant, our guests do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes a couple steps out of the, the mix. You know, we can text to confirm, which, you know, isn't right for every restaurant, but it works for that restaurant. Um, you know, there's uh, much more integration kind of on the back end, um, which has been really useful. You know, we're, we're a, a Mac company and OpenTable, um, unfortunately, doesn't operate on the Mac system. So, you know, if I'm at home and I need to make a reservation, I would have to call the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can just do it from my phone, which has been great. Um, and there are a number of other things that are helpful. You know, you can code things differently. You can... Um, you can search, you know, guest notes across the company. There's, there's just a couple of other things that have been quite helpful. So what are you, do you know what you're integrating with? You said it integrates better. What specifically, aside from just Mac, is there any software that has been, you know, playing well with reserve? Uh, well, it operates off an iPad too, which is like incredibly useful. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're hoping that eventually we can um, have a little bit more POS integration. We're working on that right now, but there, that's that's not um, it's not been fully integrated. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've been really. I had reserve.com um, on the show, and I kind of picked up some of the same things you're saying. And it's it's they they offer more. It's more flexible. Uh, it's kind of like a a combination of. Open table and no wait or waitlist me, where you can customize that reservation software to, uh, you know, no two restaurants are exactly the same. So you can really get flexible with it. And I, I've heard of really great things, uh, awesome stuff. So, yeah. uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give your past self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I think I would say um, just to be more confident and, um, you know, ask, ask more questions. I think that I've overall been pretty good at asking questions in the course of my career, but, um, I think it's good to, you know, reflect and to, to try to understand things, um, as much as possible. Awesome. What's one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Ooh, um, I think that it would be cool to ask people like how their, their vision changes from year to year um, or, you know, how, how their focus changes from year to year. How has your vision changed from year to year and how has your focus changed? From year to year? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it different parts of my career, depending on what I was doing, you know, I had different, different goals, um, but, you know, if you asked me last year, what was my vision, it would be, you know, that row 34 was going to, you know, be the best at guest recovery and that we were going to be the best um, beer educators in the city. Um, but, you know, now I have a, a whole a totally different role and, you know, my vision has changed. I have different goals for the restaurants. You know, I'm, I'm working um, with Island Creek Oyster Bar to kind of elevate certain parts of that restaurant. Um, you know, I'm working on opening another Island Creek oyster bar. So, you know, going through the opening is always fun and exciting and you have an idea for what a restaurant will be and, and what it actually is, is always something a little different. So can you give us one specific goal that you set for yourself with this new role? 
Oh my gosh. Um, I'm still trying to navigate it a little bit. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think a a specific goal that I have, um, is to, you know, be the best mentor that I can be Mm -hmm. to, um, the general managers of the various different restaurants. And, um, I think that'll take a little bit of time because we need to get to know each other and, um, I need to understand, you know, what their kind of hopes and dreams are before I can fully dive into that. But that's, that's my goal. Jillian Rocco, you've rocked it, sister. This was an amazing <laughs> chat. I've had so much fun talking to you, getting to know you, learning your story, gathering your advice. It's been a blast. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. We wrap up every episode by uh, calling somebody out. So who is one independent professional, you know, independent restaurant owner, you know, who is just crushing it, would be a great guest mentor like you were for us today? Um, I think it would be really great for you to uh, reach out to a former colleague of mine, um, a general name, a gentleman named uh, Kevin O'Donnell. Um, he is the um, well, one of the chef owners of a new restaurant in the South End called SRV. Um, and he has incredibly interesting um, background and is just one of the most um, wonderful people that I've worked with. So I think it would be great to hear from him. Kevin O'Donnell, I'd love to get you on the show. Look out, I'm coming after you. And let the folks at home know um, how we can connect with you. If if we've listened to what you said and we are looking to make changes and we want to surround ourselves with amazing people like you are all – like like all the people you've surrounded yourself with, how can we join your team? How can we uh, make improvements in our life today by doing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can reach out to me directly on email. Uh, Jillian, J-I-L-L-I-A-N, at row34.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, but you can also find me on the floor of, of one of the restaurants uh, almost any night of the week. All right, I'll have that uh, in the show notes, your email in the show notes, uh, the summary of today's discussion, uh, the links to the books you recommended to reserve.com, all there in the show notes. This is episode 266. So just head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 266. Six and Jillian, there's no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. All right, there we go. Episode 266 wrapped up, and it was an awesome one. Jillian Rocco, a great guest, great advice. Uh, while I was editing, I wrote down some things that really just you know stood out to me today, uh, and how she talked about her restaurant group uh common goals are so important she said common goals how they all have those common goals they're known and i think when everybody knows what the goal is it's so much easier uh when people are pulling in the same direction and just know knowing what to work for so are you clear with your goals are you do you have common goals is everybody on your team uh is there you know are, is there an over arcing goal that you all know about and if there isn't one of them make those goals and make it clear for your team give them give them those goals to shoot for uh, i also wrote down developing people was huge in this interview uh she she loves developing people she it's almost selfishly selfishly she said but uh just developing people and making it about other people providing it you know opportunities for other people and sometimes i think we, we just forget to do that uh and they clearly did not forget to do that because their restaurants are doing amazing uh hiring the right people uh, like from good to great, uh, Jim Sullivan says this in that book, and you, you got to hire the right people, uh, get the right people 
on your bus and put them in the right seat on your bus and then uh, just give them the opportunity and, and let them go. Let them do their thing. Let them treat treat it like they own it, she says. Like Garrett Harker lets his people treat it like they own it, and a lot of them even do own it, but uh, just that, that freedom to, to do what it is you hired them for. But it all starts with getting the right people on your bus. And then uh, I also wrote down taking risks because – We've, you know, we've got to be pushing ourselves to the, the edge all the time. If we're comfortable, if we're just going through the same things every day, we're never going to go grow. We're, we're never going to get to that next level. So take some risks. Uh, you're going to miss sometimes, but when, when those risks, you know, when, when you take the risk and, and it pays off, man, it, it's, it can be so worth it. So don't be afraid to take those risks. All right, that's all. Uh, today, uh, I mean, just such a great interview. Jillian Rocco, thanks again for coming on the show. Like always, guys, don't forget to leave those five-star reviews. Uh, they help out so much. Uh, shoot me a message. Uh, leave a comment on the Restaurant Unstoppable Facebook page. Uh, call somebody out in that message. Who do you want to hear from? Who do you think would be a great guest mentor on the show? I'll get, you know, I'll go after them. I'll get them on the show. We'll learn together. And uh, don't forget to set up that free uh, chat with me if you just need some inspiration. Maybe you just want somebody to talk to. I can, you know, just let you get through your thoughts. So sometimes it helps just to, to speak through your thoughts. I'm here to listen. Maybe I can make some con- uh, connections. I can uh, make some suggestions. I might be able to hook you up with somebody who was a past guest on the show. I'm always here to help you guys out. So just head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash one-on-one and we can take care of that. All right, guys. Until next time, peace out.